is the capacity to gain the happiness, that not only do I require the means of happiness, but I require the capacity to enjoy them. And that if I have the capacity to enjoy them, I don't even require the means to enjoy them, because the very capacity itself is enjoyment. If this is clear, then one attains that success, because that is a real success. Even though success is associated with wealth and prosperity and name and fame and power and rank and recognition, so these are the conventional uh, criteria of success. But ultimately, as in Brahadaranika Upanishad says, Atmastu Kamaya Saram Priyam Bhavadi, whatever is dear to me is dear to me for my own sake, which means that ultimately the wealth and name and fame, all of these can become meaningful only when they make me feel good about myself. And so what I am seeking through all of these ultimately is to feel good about myself, to become accepting of myself, to be comfortable with myself. That would be called a failure when I am not comfortable with myself and therefore there is a constant conflict with my own self. And there is self-non-acceptance, self-discomfort. And when there is a discomfort within myself or non-acceptance of myself, it doesn't matter what I have. And if there is a comfort with myself, it does not matter again what I have. And therefore what I have never matters other than fulfilling my basic needs. Yes, that matters. That I am hungry, that I need food, and that I need clothing to protect my body, that I need a shelter from heat and cold and rain, and that I require the resources to fulfill my duty towards my family, whatever duty that is required to my children and to my family, I to provide for them. Yes, these definitely are the needs. But beyond that it doesn't matter what more I have because happiness always comes from within myself, never from without myself. And that being the case, my pursuit, apart from gaining my basic needs, yes, and for that of course effort must be made, accumulated effort must be to bring to manifestation that happiness or fullness which is my own nature. And therefore, should life become a process of acquiring what I don't have so that I feel I have a lot of possessions and greater outer importance and that makes me feel good about myself, or should my life become a process of removing, as I say, the obstacles of Raghadvesha, attachment, aversion, which deprive me of the happiness which I am. So happiness I already am, but there is something that deprives me of that, and that, that is not something outside of myself, my own likes and dislikes. So my own attachment everything deprive me of the happiness I am, and should it not be then that my life should become a process of getting rid of these obstacles? In fact, very often it happens that the very process of acquiring the external things increases obstacles, because they bring the Raghadveshas with them. <coughs> They bring their own cravings, they, they in fact increase my greed and they increase the possibility of my anger and their jealousies and pride and so all the outer possessions have the problems of in fact bringing more and more impurities. They don't have to, but that's what generally happens. You don't find that the people, person becoming wealthier and person becoming um, uh, more important, becoming humbler. Very rare that you find a person becomes more humble. They becomes more, I mean, less demanding. Usually fine person becomes more arrogant, person becomes more assertive, person becomes more demanding. Is it not so? There are many exceptions, no doubt. But then they have become, they have become what they are, not because they wanted to become, they have just become. 
As we said, if you are a good person, things can come to you anyway. It is not that there is anything wrong with wealth or power, then let it come on its own, you know, that it's a very graceful way of getting it. But if I uh, demand it, then I always remain a demanding person, always an asserting, assertive person. <coughs> anyway, the point is that some siddhi or that success that Lord Krishna defines is an inner phenomenon. And understand that success is always an inner phenomenon, never an external phenomenon. That an external achievement, in fact, as we said, creates an internal event of making me feel good about myself. It just makes me feel comfortable with myself and that is a real success. So when the so-called success comes, this is what happens inside. And therefore, that is what is called success. And how do you gain success? By performing the duty. <coughs> and that too, even performs of the duty, the spirit of worship is added. Yatah pravatyar bhutanam yena saramidam tatam let every action become an archana. You know archana is that you offer flowers at the feet of the Lord. You utter one name and offer a flower. Om Achyutaya Namaha, one flower. Om Anantaya Namaha, one flower. Om Govindaya Namaha, one flower. Om Keshavaya, whatever. Utter one name and offer a flower. This process is called archana. So Lord Krishna says that instead of flower you can offer your action also, every action can become a flower. Om Keshavaya Namaha, an action is offered. Om Narayanaya Namaha, an action is offered. Om Madhavaya Namaha, an action is offered. So every action itself can become a flower. And therefore, the archana, it is a wonderful thing to do to offer flowers attending the name of the Lord, that is archana. It's a nice thing to do, but the archana or the worship need not be confined merely by offering material to the Lord, that it can become, in fact, a part of my life when every action that I perform is an offering. So Swami, what is meant by offering it to the Lord? What is meant by that? Just even say this, may the Lord be happy with this action. How do I know whether the Lord will be happy with my action or not? Well, as I said, do what the Lord does. So he demonstrates, he says, He is going to understand that the light which is there in the sun and the moon and the fire, that is my light, which means that I constantly illumine this world. Gama Vishwaja Bhutani, I sustain the whole universe by my strength. That means that I am the one who sustains everything. Everything is in its proper place because of me. And I am the one who becomes a moon and thus become the sap in the vegetables. I am the plant and vegetable kingdoms. I therefore become the food of all the living beings. I am the one who is the digestive fire in the stomach of all the living beings. I sit there and digest all the food. He silently keeps on doing this. God is silently and constantly, ceaselessly serving without even announcing anything. He's so silent that we don't even know his presence. Unfortunately, I, I, you know, that's the reason why I can say that I don't believe in God. But also I can say because of his grace only. Of course, because yadvāsānabhītam yenavāgabhītyate, as Kenopanishad says, that which cannot be revealed by the speech, or that which cannot be uttered by the speech, but that because which the speech is uttered. <coughs> and so, if you see what God is doing, is silently serving as sun, as moon, as all the elements, as earth, as fire, 
and all the elements and anything in the universe is constantly offering himself. <coughs> so if nothing else, this very spirit of yajna, that's why Lord Krishna said in the third chapter, Nyadam Kuru Karmatpam Yajnasat Karmanyatra Lokoyam Karmamandana Tadartham Karmakaundya He Kaundya He Arjuna You perform your action in the spirit of Yajna. Just take your lessons from the nature and see how every element of nature is performing Yajna. That is the Lord performing the Yajna. See the sun is sitting right there shining and all the time not only illumining the world but constantly as you say it by heat evaporating the water, converting into clouds and bringing the rain where it is needed. So sun constantly draws water from far away regions and brings it where it is needed to us. And similarly earth, and, and thus we see the, the role performed by every element. And we find how silently all of them are so designed as to serve the purpose. In fact, serve the purpose of human being, you can say. The whole world is serving the human being. And so, return the favor, a sense of gratitude, a humility that arises from a sense of gratitude, an awareness of the fact that, look, I am a recipient of so much of favor and so many privileges I am enjoying, and therefore, just returning the favor by way of, I mean, you know, in the spirit of this gratitude, even performing an action in the spirit of gratitude. That I am an engineer, I am a doctor, I am a lawyer, I am an accountant, I am a farmer, I am a cook, I am whatever I am. And it's my privilege to be so. If this is the spirit of duty, then I look upon, I look upon my position and whatever I do is a privilege. Swami, but you are just a cook. What's the big deal about it? Doesn't matter, it's a privilege. Everybody is unique and everybody has a unique uh, contribution to make. The sun can illumine, of course, the whole universe. The moon cannot do that much. Doesn't matter. The stars can do much little. All that's okay. But then sun illumines in his own right. The moon illumines in his own light. The star illumines in its own right. A little lamp illumines in its own right. What is important is that illumination. And thus a little lamp also gets burned in the very process of illumination, but it does its job. And therefore, Swami would say that if you walk in the background, you can see those wild flowers, you know, just smiling away. It doesn't matter whether anybody looks at them, but they are just happy that they are there. And if somebody happens to look at them, well, that's an, that's an added, uh, you know, uh, that's an added privilege. And so, this, that I am, and what I am, and where I am, is a privilege, is a blessing, is a grace. To recognize that my life is a blessing, that it's a grace I'm enjoying, and therefore in that spirit of being blessed, in the spirit of being graced, in the spirit of gratitude, whatever action you perform becomes a worship. <coughs> and thus, Svakarmanatamabhyarcha, performing an action in the spirit of offering to the Lord. How do we know the Lord is pleased? when I also function in the same spirit in which he is functioning. And thus a very spirit of offering, which arises on account of a sense of gratitude that I discover when I am aware of all the privileges I am enjoying. But Swamiji, I am not enjoying privileges. Look at that fellow. Look at what he has, and I don't have it. Look at what that fellow had, 
And so, unfortunately, this poor human being keeps on comparing himself with others and is so keenly aware of his sense of incompleteness and so keenly aware of what he doesn't have that it is very difficult to feel a sense of gratitude. Always feel a sense of deprivation, a sense of injustice, what I did. I'm always aware of what I don't have rather than what I have. <coughs> so what I don't have becomes very... Depending on what it is that the purpose of my life is, if I understand the purpose of life as yoga as a process, rather than bhoga, that's a process understood, that doesn't matter what I am and where I am, it's quite okay. As I said, yes, it is my duty to cultivate my abilities and do the best that I can. There's no question about it. I don't become complex and I don't become inactive and I say, doesn't matter, Swami, you said that I should be happy with what I am and therefore I do my little share. It's not that. Do what best you can do. But you can do the best, well, you can't do better than that anyway, regardless of what you do. You cannot become an Einstein regardless of what you do. What, what, so what, shall, what shall we do? I cannot become a heavyweight, worldwide, world heavyweight champion, I cannot. So what shall I do with me? I cannot become a football player. I cannot become an Olympic swimming champion or whatever. What shall I do? If I cannot become, shall I condemn what I am? And shall I reject myself? Or shall I say that, okay, this is what I am, and therefore being humble about one's own limitations as well as one's own abilities, being graceful and feeling blessed for what abilities I have, and being humble about what limitations I have. And therefore, thus accepting oneself and respecting oneself for what one is, itself is a great devotion, service, you know, to Lord. So the other way, I keep complaining to Him, and always bothering Him that you are not given me this, and you are not given me that, and you know. And at least stop bothering him. So there is one less worry that God has that he need not worry about me. Give him the freedom. Anyway, that is what is meant by giving Lord the freedom. You give whatever karma fly you want to give. This is my action I perform. Now it's up to you what you want to do with it. You want to do me a favor by giving me a reward? Thank you. You think it's not necessary? Thank you. You think I don't deserve it? Thank you. You think you don't want to give it? Give him the freedom. That is a great devotion. Not to stress out somebody else is a great devotion, you know. That's all. As we tell the story, you know, of these two saints, this, this Tulsidas and Surdas, you know, sitting in the same dais, and, and satsang is going on, and, and there was a rumor that a mad elephant is coming, run away, and everybody ran away. And Surdas, who is a blind saint, you know, he all quietly got up from his stage and then hit some place. Whereas Tusudas, you know, he, he, he continued to stand there on the ass. In ten minutes it was discovered that this was just a rumor, and that there is no elephant. Everybody came and took their place. And then Surdas also quietly came and took his place. And, and, and so Tusudas, he asked him with a, you know, a certain amount of pride. He said, this is all? This is all the trust that you have in God? Which is, did you not think that God would protect you? See, I, I continue to sit here. Having trust in God, it will protect me. Then very quietly Suryasi says, well, if I can help myself, I need not give trouble to God. You know? <laughs> and so, not giving him trouble is, is also a favor, you know. Give him the freedom. Let him decide what he wants to do with my action. Give him the freedom. It's all part of devotion. Devotion means giving freedom also.
not nagging somebody all the time, that's not love. Give them the freedom. A non-demanding relationship is a great, you know, that is love. So non-demanding relationship with God. In love there is always giving and not demanding, ideally. Of course, you know, he being what we are, there is always silent demand inside. But then, to the extent that we can make our relationship with God as one non-demanding and offering. That is called, that is called devotion. And therefore, being devoted to one section, being devoted to the Lord, performing every action in the spirit doesn't matter. God will know where he is and then he will receive action. <coughs> so it is not that we offer it to some individual entity. Well, if you can see God everywhere, that's most wonderful. If I do not see God everywhere, it doesn't matter. At least I can perform my action in the spirit of devotion, in the spirit of offering. <coughs> Whatever I do. And if you say, we live, we give freedom to God to decide what He wants to do with my action and what reward He wants to give. <coughs> For the very simple reason that the reward always comes. What reward do you want from your action? Depends on what it is that you want. Is your action a means of yoga or bhoga? If you want some material benefit out of your, out of your action, then these questions will arise. Whether I am successful or not. But if I, what I want through my action, Namely the inner clarification, then success is guaranteed. If through performance of action, I want that I must gain inner purification, then there is guaranteed success because it is the spirit of offering and humility that brings about the inner purification. As we said earlier, action just becomes an occasion for me to maintain that spirit of devotion or offering. It is that very attitude that is purifying attitude. Action is just an occasion. Action, you know, is something that is done with hands and legs in the speech. But then what goes with the action, namely what is there in the mind, it is that attitude which is a very purifying attitude. And therefore, Nihad Bhikavanashosti, Pratyavayana Vidyate, Law Krishna said in the second chapter that you can never lose out. There is always success, where if success is defined in terms of an inner tranquility, an inner quietude, an inner freedom from conflict, then that success is guaranteed. The minute comes to some outer gain, give freedom to God. Whatever He wants to give in. <coughs> so karmanātva abhyarcha siddhim vindati mānavah Thus, worshipping the Lord with one's own karma, one's own duty, mānava, the human being, attains siddhi, perfection. <coughs> But then, and so what it means is that whatever one's duty is, offering it to the Lord is a means of attainment of moksha. The means of attaining the ultimate goal is offering one's action performed in the sense of duty, offering it to the Lord. Nothing more than that. If you cannot see God anywhere, it doesn't matter. You see God in, in the altar. That also is. Remember Him. Om Dagnam Bhagavad Dakshramurde, Dakshramurde Namaha, Shri Krishna Namaha. Whatever is your day, they remember Him and offer Him. And so, that's what Lord Krishna says. Yatkaroshi, Yadashnasi, Yajjuhoshi, Dadasi. Whatever it is that you are devoted. Let us hope that we are devoted to somebody in this earth, you know. Somewhere the devotion must be there. If it is a teacher, if it is in the, some deity, if it is in a person, if it is in the father, if it is in my boss, 
is within my country, somewhere the devotion is there. Hopefully. Discover devotion somewhere, other than money, and other than power, and other than ego. Somewhere else. Somewhere the devotion is there, that's it, offer to that person, offer to that altar where your devotion. You are devoted to your teacher, fine, let my teacher be happy with this, you know. Remember him and offer it, perform your action. So remembering the one to whom you are devoted will bring about a spirit of devotion. The important thing is to invoke the devotee from within oneself. That is most important. And the devotee is invoked when I remember the one to whom I am devoted. It doesn't matter who you are devoted to. As long as you are devoted to someone other than your own ahankara, your own ego, somewhere devotion is there. Somebody is devoted to country, somebody is devoted to just I don't know, somebody is devoted to his employer, somebody is devoted to some kind of a cause, to the family, to somebody, or to my Ishtadevada, the chosen deity, wherever my devotion is, that is the God at this time, and therefore, let remember that. Invoke the devotee from within oneself and perform the action as a devotee. Important thing is, who performs the action? The devotee performs action. Thus, invoking the devotee from within myself is really the process of purification. What purifies the mind is the spirit of devotion. And the spirit of devotion comes when there is a devotee invoked from within myself. And the devotee is invoked when I remember the one to whom I am devoted to. So it is Sri Krishna, whatever it is, the given form, a given concept, anything that you are devoted to, anything that can devote in, invoke in you, a devotee. Swami, I believe in Hindu dharma, doesn't mind, Hindu dharma, whatever it is. And so whatever it is, Indian culture, something I am devoted to, Gurukulam I am devoted to, whatever it is. Whatever it is that you are devoted to, and hope that you are devoted to something. You should be devoted to something. Other than just our me and mine, something more than that, our devotion should be. In that case, it's a matter of nothing but expanding ourselves, that's what it is. What it is that I'm identified with? If I'm identified with God, well, that's most wonderful. Then, of course, I'm identified with the whole universe. That's too huge. But that's the ultimate goal. When it is said that, as Ramana Maharshi says, Jagatayishadhi yukta sevanam ashtamurta bhruddeva poojanam that is the whole universal manifestation of Lord in his eightfold form. And so serving the, the Jagat, serving the world with the spirit that I am serving the Lord is the, is the devotion. Is, is serving the Lord. Serving the world is serving the Lord. But that's too big to begin with. Ultimately that is what is expected. That we, what it is that I am identified with. This was something I identified with in my life. Something. Something other than simply myself, I should be identified with. And the process of identification should enlarge. That I find myself identified with, when which I identify with means that I feel happy to do something about that which, which, which I am identified. I am happy in the happiness of the one with whom I identify. That's called identification. And that our identification enlarges, and enlarges ultimately becomes universal. That is the ideal worship of God. So karmanatma means that it's a process. It doesn't happen in one day. It's a process. 
of, as you said, an inner expansion, stretching myself out. Siddhim Vindhutimanavaha, then one knows God, and then, then, then the next step is to know God as myself. When I know everything is God, that's the first step, and the ultimate step is to know that everything is myself. But Karma Yoga is a process of worship, and that worship enables me to ultimately see God everywhere. And by knowledge then, by Vedanta, Vedanta then tells me that that God that is everywhere is your own self. So it's a two-step process. By act of worship, I discover God everywhere. And then by knowledge, I can see that God is my own self. That will be the second step. <coughs> so Swamiji, which is, which, is, which is the action in which God is happy? Which action should I perform so that God will be pleased? So says Lord Krishna in the verse 47. Shreyan Swadharma Vigunaha Shreyan Swadharma Vigunaha Paradharma Swanushtitar Paradharma Swanushtitar Swahavanitam Karma Swahavanitam Karma One's own duty, Shriyan, is superior, is better. Vigunaha api, that and our word api should be added there in our own mind, not in the verse. But we must understand that panapi, even though one's own duty, even if it is devoid of merit, even though it may be defective, it may not be, it may not be wet, it may not be very great, you know, in terms of its visibility or in terms of its, you know, its, in terms of its uh, capability of producing material benefit. That is, if my duty, even if it is defective, is better than Sanushtitat paradharmat shreyat, it is better than the duty of another well done. So here this, this, this question of competition comes, you know. That Vaishya may feel that maybe he should better be a Kshatriya, you know, because he is Kshatriya as a ruler class, I want to be a ruler. And therefore to... So this question of superior and inferior comes. Whenever an action is judged by the material result that it produces, if action is judged by the inner wealth or the spiritual growth that it produces, then any action is as good as any other action. Because it is not the action, but the spirit with the action is performed is what brings about the spiritual growth. And therefore, any action can be performed with the spirit of devotion. In that sense, therefore, as far as the result of Result in terms of inner growth or inner purification is concerned, any action is as good as any other action. It can be cleaning toilets, it can be sweeping the floors, it can be cooking, or it can be ruling a kingdom, whatever it is. Any action is as good as any other action if the action is judged in terms of the reward, in terms of inner growth. That's what Lord Krishna is telling us. 
Don't, don't judge your action as superior or inferior with reference. Don't judge your duty as superior or inferior with reference to the duty of anybody else because duty is duty. Now, but look what he is, you know, Swamiji, I like to do that, I like to do business. I want to do this, I want to become millionaire. I want to rise up in my ladder, you know, of uh, power. If that becomes a goal, then of course an action is superior, another action is inferior. There is no doubt about that. Certainly, certain actions can make you a millionaire. Join the startup companies, that's the way to do, you know. If you want to become a millionaire, do that. Because IPO or whatever it goes, you know, that's the way to do. Or if you're smart enough, do the stock market, you know. Then one action is superior to another action. Swamiji, I've become a doctor, I'm just dragging so much work I do. I wish that I'd become something else, you know. These days you don't know the HMOs and what they're doing and so forth. He will complain. If Swamiji, if I evaluate the, the amount of uh, income I make per hour, I make less than the minimum wage. <laughs> or 24 hours a day and whatever else, anyway. And so, depends on how I judge my action. <clears throat> yes, in terms of producing income, in terms of giving you visibility, in terms of your ego gratification, definitely actions cannot be said to be equal. A certain action will be superior to an action. Well, this is also being told to Arjuna, who wants to drop out from this battle, and he wants to be renunciated. He said right in the beginning of the second chapter that rather than killing these great revered people, like Bhishma, Drona, I think it's better that I must beg the food of Bhiksha. So propose is renunciation, because the Kshatriya cannot go out and beg food, it's not permitted. The only one who can beg food is a, is a, is a sannyasi. So Arjuna becomes a sannyasi, renunciate, then he can do that. And that sounds very comfortable. Being in the battlefield, and the prospect of having to fight the battle with one's near and dear ones and therefore the emotional pain that it would involve, naturally the idea of giving up this, un this very painful action and taking to an easy life of renunciation is very comfortable. In reference to that, Lord Krishna says, Shriyan Swadharma Vigunaha. Arjuna, even if you think that your own duty is not as uh, as comfortable or as easy or as profitable, let's say, as the duty of someone else. Because what else can be the defect in the car? It's not as profitable. It is because of my likes and dislikes. When the Radhaduvishas come, when my likes and dislikes come, then alone one action is just a superior to other one. But Swadharma, one's own duty is better. But Swamiji, what is the duty? Those days it's all right, you were branded or you are called Brahmana, Kshatriya. What am I right now? What should I be called? And therefore we can interpret these words Swadharma and Paradharma in most in simpler terms. Swa means the self and Dharma means the nature. And therefore performing an action which is in keeping with the nature of the self can be called Swadharma. And Paradharma. As we said, that I am a union of this person and personality or spirit and matter. 
So spirit or consciousness can be called Swa or my own self. Where it is personality or matter can be called Para or something different from myself. So thus there are two dharma. One is what we call the dharma or the action performed in keeping with the nature of the spirit. Other is an action performed in keeping with the nature of matter. And in my heart there is naturally fascination for material gains and material pleasures. And therefore, anytime I am ready to do something, both of these things want to draw my attention. The spirit also wants to draw my attention and the matter also wants to draw my attention. In which way? The matter draws my attention and tells me to Swami, it doesn't matter, and tell little lie, compromise some value, but then, so there will be greater material gain. So sometimes it happens that when we compromise our values, then it helps us in gaining a better material gain. So what is Swadharma? Swadharma can be simply interpreted as performing an action in keeping with the basic values of life. Like non-violence, truthfulness, honesty, forgiveness, so these are the basic values of life. All these values are basically based on the self. Because self or atma is non-violent, it doesn't violate anything or anybody. It's always truthful. And therefore understand that these values are basically derived from the nature of one's own self. That is the reason why whenever I perform an action in keeping with my values then, I feel good about myself, there is a self-worth. And whenever I compromise a value, there is a conflict within myself. There is a sense of guilt and I don't feel worthy of myself. So Swadharma. What is Swadharma? One's own duty or duty in keeping with one's own nature. Or an action performed in keeping with one's own nature. And that is the action performed in keeping with the basic values of life. And therefore, non-violence, truthfulness, all these are all spiritual values. When we have spiritual values, values based on the nature of spirit. The opposite of it, the violence, is a material value because it is opposed to the spirit and a person becomes violent whenever person becomes controlled by his fascination for matter. When would a person compromise his honesty or truthfulness when some material gain is there. That therefore, when material gain is there or the matter becomes a predominant factor, then the spiritual value is compromised. So Swadharma, Paradharma. An action in keeping with the nature of the self, an action in keeping with the nature of non-self. So Lord Krishna says, Shriyan Swadharma Vigunaha. In following your values, if you even stand to lose something, that is better than the gain that comes by compromising the values. That is, way, that is how this verse can be simply translated, understood. <coughs> well, these days it is very difficult to determine what am I? Am I Kshatriya or am I Vaishya or what am I? Sometimes you don't know whether a Vanaprastha or a Grihastha or what it is also sometimes, you know. And so we can understand Swadharma as simply an action performed in keeping with the values. Paradharma, an action performed where the values are sacrificed. <coughs> and the reason why a person would sacrifice a value is because there is something to gain. Nobody will tell a lie for the sake of lying. There is something to gain. And what is to gain? Some material benefit is there. So Lord Krishna says, 
do not sacrifice your spiritual growth for the sake of material benefit. It's not worth it. In the third chapter this verse came. Shreyan Swadharma Vigunaha Paradharma Sunashidat Swadharma Nidhanam Shreyaha Paradharma Bhayavaha Then Lord Krishna went on to say that it is better to die performing one's duty. That is, it is better to die following the values of life and performing one's duty. Paradharma Bhayavaha Even though compromising values may appear very attractive, Bhayavaha It brings in all it is it is fraught with fear. Because it brings about conflict, it brings about sense of guilt. If nothing else, it brings about, it just lowers myself in my own eyes. I never feel good about myself when I tell a lie. I never feel good. I hope that's how it's everybody, you know, that, you know, Swamiji, you don't know that. These people can, you know, they can tell lie with feeling nothing at all. Cold-blooded murder, you can murder somebody and feel nothing. That can happen only when you made yourself so insensitive. You can make yourself so insensitive that nothing affects you, and that is... So that insensitive person cannot enjoy life anyway. To play music before him, you know, classical music, he'll fall asleep because he, he has lost his sensitivity. And therefore, Shriyan Swadharma. So there Lord Krishna says that Swadharma Nidhanam Shriyaha. If you think that you have to sacrifice yourself completely for following your dharma or the values, that is better. And these stories are being told, a story of Harishchandra is told, a story of Rama is being told, a story of Nasiketa is being told as to how they did not think that any kind of sacrifice was ever big enough to follow the truth or basic values of life. I don't expect that kind of sacrifice from ourselves at this time. But anyway, the thing is that all these kind of ideas are there. Sobhāmiyatam karma kurvanna āpnodikil visham Another question that can be there in case of Arjuna is, Oh Lord, you are asking to perform this act of fighting the battle. But do you know it's going to involve what an amount of violence? Fighting battle means killing people, is it not so? And will I not be uh, accountable for having, having perpetrated so much violence and then I am a sinner? So Lord Krishna said, so all that, let's say we talk, talked about the story, gave the, I mean, you know, told the story of a butcher. How about a job of a butcher? He's chopping meat. Is it not violence? Is it not dirty work? Will it not bring blemish to me? Lord Krishna says, Svabhavanyetam karma kurvan na atmodikil visham. You perform the incompatible to your nature, and therefore which is a duty, then you do not incur any fault at all. Here Shankaracharya explains, just as a worm that is born in poison, a worm that lives in poison is not affected by poison. If we consume poison, of course it will affect us, but a worm that, that grows in poison is not affected by poison. And similarly also, if according to your nature, it is your duty to clean toilets, let us say. <clears throat> there is considered an impure task and generally speaking a person will take bath whenever he visits the toilet. So that you have and therefore to somebody else if he does it, it definitely would incur to recall violence but when you do that, it is not violence. Arjuna, if you fight this battle to protect your dharma 
in the process of protecting dharma or the country, if it becomes necessary to use your weapons against the enemy, it is not called violence. <coughs> if you use weapons in the street or in the palace, it will be violence. But in the battlefield, it is not violence. And therefore, a given action is not judged as violent or non-violent. It is the intention with which the action is performed that is what makes it violent or non-violent. If Arjuna also performs the action of fighting battle <coughs> out of anger, out of uh, enmity, to settle accounts, let us say, then it will be violent action. But he performs action, purely in the spirit of protecting dharma, doing his duty, then it will not be judged violent. <coughs> karma kurvan no One does not incur fault performing action according to one's own nature, performing one's duty. <coughs> Elaborating that point, in the next verse, Lord Krishna says, Sahajam karma kaunteya Sahajam karma kaunteya Sadosham api Sarvarambhahi doshena Dhumena Agnir Vavrata Dhumena Agnir Vavrata He kaunte sahajan karma sadoshanapi nyatkajed He Arjuna, that karma or action, the duty which is natural to you, which means that which is in keeping with your nature, even though it may be defective, one should not give it up. <coughs> so what was said in earlier verse is being said again, that if your duty involves you to do some dirty works, sometimes your duty may involve that you have to do some unpleasant things. So you talk of non-violence, but suppose, uh, you know, I'm the boss and here is a person who is just not doing his work properly. What should I do with him? Is it all right to discipline somebody or not? Is it all right to fire somebody or not? That's a very unpleasant thing to do. It's hurting somebody. But in the position in which you are placed, if that is required for the overall good, you have to do that. Like the action performed by a surgeon, where he may remove one portion of the body, sometimes he may amputate my limb, for saving the whole body. Now if you look at it from the standpoint of the limb, the thing is amputated and there it's a, it's a violent action. It is not called violent violence because the intention is to save the whole body. Similarly also if you happen to be in a position where you have to take an unpleasant action, suppose you have to punish somebody. Punish means that you have to take some unpleasant action. Somebody has to be fired or whatever has to be done. Swamiji, would that be violence or not? Have I not hurt that person? You hurt the person, but not hurting the person, you'll be hurting something much more. If that surgeon does not remove some portion of my body, ultimately the whole body may rot. And therefore, very often in our life, on account of our responsibility, we have to perform some unpleasant actions also. Sometimes a mother may have to give some bitter medicine to the child also. And the child will cry, will resist. We'll run away, we'll hate also. I hate you, ma'am. Everything. And still, 
Sometimes you have to be cruel in order to be kind. And therefore, as long as an action is performed in the spirit of devotion, as long as the action is performed, not simply to, as I said, svakaramanatamabhyarche, it is to promote God that I am doing it and not promoting myself. If behind the performance action, I don't have a personal agenda of myself. But whatever I do is done in the, for the sake of a given cause. As I said, if you are employed somewhere, then you are working for a certain organization and that's your cause. And therefore the action that you perform, which is for the well-being of that organization, even unpleasant action also does not bring any faults. It is not considered a violence because it is your duty. And then the Lord Krishna is Sarvaram Bhayadoshana Bhumin Agnihiva Avrutaha. Understand that here Arjuna, there is no action that is totally free from faults. <coughs> Every action involves a certain fault. Every action involves some violence. You cannot do some good thing also without hurting something. You can't even make chapati unless you take the dough, you know, you, you, you have to... Some violence is involved as far as the wheat is concerned, is it not? You take the wheat grains and you grind them, and then you make a dough out of it and you knead it, and you roll it, and what more? And then you bake it, you know. Poor thing, what an amount of, you know, pain it is to go through. And therefore, doing anything is going to require sacrifice in a previous state, otherwise you cannot do something. And therefore, this seems to be the very rule of this creation, that whenever something is done, some kind of a violence is involved. No creation can take place unless something is destroyed. Now, Swami, I can do something. See, I painted this on this piece of paper. There's nothing destroyed. Well, the plainness of the paper is destroyed anyway, and now there is uh, something from the paper. So unless there is a change from the previous state, no new state can be created. Every creation involves the destruction of the previous state. Not that we should not be sensitive to that. Not that we should, but then it's going to involve some. And therefore, just as Lord Krishna gives an example, that some amount of smoke is always involved with fire. Some carbon dioxide is going to be there, some carbon monoxide, yes, because when burning takes place, and then naturally these gases are produced. Sometimes you may not see them. It's possible, but that has to be a product of combustion. Dhumena agnihi avutaha, just as the fire, this, the fire is always covered by some smoke. And you know where does the smoke come from? Smoke comes from fire. Sahajam. Janmana sahajatam. So that which is born naturally is called sahajan. And fire and smoke, if something is born naturally of fire, therefore the fire naturally gives rise to smoke, so smoke is called sahajan. So how fire is always accompanied or covered by smoke, and similarly also whatever action you perform is going to be covered with some kind of a, some unpleasantness will be there. Some violence will be there. Sometimes you may not know it, but it may still be there. As a simple thing, four persons are sitting and then you say, Hey, this boy is so intelligent. The moment you say that, you praise one of them. That means other three are, you know, this is so What about us? The example that they give, you know, so, hey, 
You cook today the samba is so wonderful. Today samba is wonderful. What about every day? Everybody is not so, right? So when you say that today's preparation is wonderful, that means you already declared that the preparation of other day is not wonderful. So thank God that the listener is happy listening to this, but otherwise you can say, what do you mean, Swami? It's good only today. How about every day? You can't praise something unless you seem to condemn something. That is why they said, that don't praise so much, you know, don't keep praising, don't keep praising, because someday you will condemn it. And don't condemn so much, don't condemn so much, because somebody will praise that thing. Anyway, the idea is that in every praise some condemnation or somewhere is involved, in every favor that you do, some disfavor is involved, some partiality is involved, something is always involved. Unless I become a perfect person. Yes, we would think that then action performed by a perfect person who has no sense of ego at all, no sense of doership, well I guess he, that person's action can be considered free from any fault. But as long as sense of doership is there, so long I always act from my individual standpoint and therefore in some way I will violate the order. Some violation will be there. I can never be perfect. Even though I act to the best of my ability in keeping with the order, the order requires me to be an omniscient person, an omnipotent person to be able to really perform an action in keeping with order. Inasmuch as I am not omniscient, I am not all-knowing. And therefore, with the limited knowledge whatever I do, the limited ability whatever I do, and in whatever I do, some kind of sense of doership is there. However humble I am, still some little ego is going to be there. And that being the case, to that extent, the action is going to be somewhat defective. No action can be perfect. <clears throat> Every action has some defect. And just because an action has defect, therefore you cannot give up the action, because that's the only means that you have to grow. And in reference to the third verse of this very chapter, Tyajyam Roshavadityage Karma Prahur Manishinaha. There are some wise people, some learned people say that action must be given up altogether because action involves violence. Therefore, give it up. A spiritual seeker should give up action. Lord Krishna says, no, do the right actions. Even though it may involve a certain amount of defect, certain amount of blemish, some amount of violence, you should still do that because it also produces a great amount of merit. Whatever actions you perform, like fire, is always covered with some measure of smoke, and so also, whatever action you perform, it will involve some violence. You cannot please everybody by anything that you do. You try to please somebody, without your knowing, somebody gets displeased, you know. That doesn't mean that you will not try to please somebody. In the fear that something may happen, in the fear that somebody may get displeased, therefore you don't do anything at all. That's also not right, because not doing something also is you don't have the freedom. Lord Krishna said earlier also, In this word, in this chapter also Lord Krishna said, As long as you are identified with the body, so long you do not have the freedom to give up all the actions. Because that sense of limitation itself will always prompt you to perform action. As long as Raghavadvesha are there, they will not let you sit quietly. 
And therefore, number one, you do not have the freedom to give up all the actions. So if you do not perform the deliberate action, you will perform the impulsive actions anyway. <coughs> therefore, here you know, perform actions deliberately. And perform actions to the best of your ability. Perform actions keeping in mind the basic values of life. Perform your action as best as you can as a devotee in the spirit of devotion. And in so doing, if some defect remains, if some blemish remains, well, accept it. That no action or no gyavahara, no transaction can be free from, can be hundred percent, can be perfect, it cannot be perfect. Regardless of what I do, it cannot be that I do everything that is in keeping with your expectation. It cannot be. And even if I fulfill expectation of one, I may not fulfill expectation of someone else. This is a fact. That being we accept this fact and do what you have to do. Be as sensitive as you can. Be as sensitive as you can so that the violence is minimized. But regardless of how sensitive you are, unknowingly also some violence may take place, you will accept that reality of life and do what is the right thing to do. Therefore, Sahajam Karma talking about all these duties, you know, Swamiji, but can a Shudra become a Vaishya or not? And can he rise up to become Kshatriya? And I say, this question arises because the action is evaluated only from the standpoint of the material gain. Then alone an action is, then alone a, a Vaishya would want to become a Shudra or something, or, or rather or a Kshatriya or a Brahmana. Because then you think that, hey, look, that fellow's action is more paying than my action, therefore I want to become that. So when action is evaluated from the standpoint of his material gain, then the Radhavishas will definitely come. Then my likes and dislikes will definitely come. If action is evaluated on a standpoint of the inner gain, then the likes and dislikes will not come. And this is Lord Krishna saying this, you do that. Swamiji, is this practical to do that? Suppose everybody does it this way, what will happen to the society? Will it not stop the progress? Will it, nothing will happen. Nobody is going to do this, unfortunately, you know. Because all we are doing these days is only invoking and promoting the likes and dislikes. We are in fact uh, person having stronger likes and dislikes is supposed to be, you know, a stronger person, as a matter of fact, and therefore we are only uh, glorifying the likes and dislikes. Glori that's why then therefore glorifying the sense of competition, glorifying that killer instinct, you know, you have to kill. Otherwise you can't win. So today we play to win. We play not to play, we play to win. The whole idea of play goes away when it plays only for winning. But that is how the culture is right now. In that culture, this cannot work. You can do this, you can function with this. As I said, you can follow these values. And even while living in this culture, you can follow the values. If you are willing to live with whatever you get. And also you are careful enough to protect yourself. Don't allow yourself to be hurt by others and don't allow yourself to be attacked by others and therefore protecting yourself is of course is what is to be done. Draw your boundaries. Nobody can follow this advice right away in hundred percent way. Nobody can do that. And therefore recognize what you can do. Draw your boundaries and function within those boundaries. From you I can tell the truth so much, so far. I can be honest, so long. I can be non-violent, so long. Okay. So draw your boundaries and within those boundaries you function. Don't allow yourself to be hurt by that. 
but hope to stretch out those boundaries as you go along. <coughs> so this is a process and Siddhiya, the perfection, comes in course of time. It keeps coming. Every action performed in the spirit brings you that measure of success. Lord Krishna said in the second chapter that even the small implementation of this dharma brings about, uh, you know, protects you from great fear. As Ramakrishna Paramahansa used to say that if you drink a whole glass of milk every day, you get that much nourishment. What if you get half a glass, drink half a glass of milk every day? That much nourishment. Quarter glass, that much nourishment. If you drink milk, nourishment will come. And therefore, to the extent that we do, to that extent the nourishment comes. That's the idea here. And in course of time, we hope to drink a glass of milk every day. Start with a spoon, you know, but start with one spoon and then slowly we hope to be able to drink the whole glass of milk. The idea is that these values are very difficult to follow, not easy to follow. In following the values, we have to really restrain all of our natural tendencies of aggression and natural tendencies of demanding and natural tendencies of fear and insecurities and we have to restrain them to be able to follow the values. But to the extent that we follow, to that extent we subdue those negative tendencies. And to that extent we get success. So success here is subduing the negative tendencies and encouraging and strengthening the positive tendencies. And ultimately when the negative tendencies are subdued in large measure, when my heart is now ruled by the positive tendencies, then this process of karma yoga has done its job, then the next step comes. So now having described the karma yoga, the first stage of growth, Lord Krishna now proceeds to describe the second stage from the next one, that will see in the next class. <coughs> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Punapunaha Ishvara Gururat Mere Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadyapta Dehaya Dakshinamutaye Namaha Om Shanti Shanti Shanti